getting your weekend started right. The Jet Set Breakfast. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. It is 8.35. It's time for us to go to Petrolhead, our Nico Smith. If you've got any questions for him, then that WhatsApp number is 0614104107. You know, Nico, we've had a couple of messages from people with regards to coffee. Someone says, I don't drink coffee. Good morning. I, I feel sick at the smell of coffee. It's poison like Coke. I agree, Coke is sometimes very poisonous. But I do like a cup of tea in the morning. Although I have to say, when you're like, you've just done a long hike, there's nothing better than that cold, crispy Coca-Cola. Then um, someone else says, uh, oh, revolting those soggy sandwiches with the coffee, which uh, someone else sent us. Gross. <laughs> Someone else says, when a child's laughter breaks into pieces, that's, oh, that's so cute. When a child's laughter breaks into pieces, that's how fairies come about. You see, those are the kinds of things we're thinking about here (laughs) on a Saturday morning. uh, We've been talking about uh, how to go and play with your child at a very young age if you're a father. Nico, you are on the couch, and I'm imagining you've had your cup of joe. I've had my cup of coffee. Good morning. Yes, I can't imagine my day starting without... Well, I actually can, but it's not the same. So a, a very good coffee and the smell of the coffee beans in oh. the morning is actually a good way to start it, if I'm honest. Jeez. For I, me. I'm the same way. I, if I, I really do have to try and have a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. But I never but used like to a, be like that. I used to hate part. the taste. I used to absolutely hate the taste. So I guess it depends on the coffee you're having, Michelle. Um, um, and, <laughs> and some people just don't mind the coffee. Some people uh, have a bit more of an acquired taste. Yeah. Um, so I, I, as long as you're enjoying it and if you don't like it, then drink some tea. I, I like a, 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 sometimes a very nice Weber's tea that's boiled a bit with some honey. But let me not digress. Let's get into cars. <laughs> From coffee to cars. Okay, so, Pal, what yes. is going on in the world of cars? We've got a couple of questions for you, but we'll uh, wait for you to uh, crack out uh, right away and let us know. What's going well, on? Well, the thing is, I, I, I don't know. Do we, should we jump to questions first or should I go to, to, to talk about something first? What do you think? Just talk about it. Well, you've obviously got something on your mind. So just no, no, a, a reminder just, yeah. to our listeners that uh, we don't have SMS today, but we do have WhatsApp and we do have Twitter and we do have good old-fashioned uh, 7142006 if you'd like to give us a call. We do have a bunch of questions for Nico, but send in your questions now if you've got anything you'd like to ask him with regards to cars, to tires, to driving, yes. oof, to the petrol you know, price. You know, yeah. yes. What I found, Michelle, is, is, is let's do the questions first. I'll tell you why, because if people have done the effort to write the questions, we should do the effort to answer them. That's my feeling. So, Because I have I've, I've got something about body construction of cars. It's probably been now for about two or three weeks that I've had the same topic, but it's going to take a while. So let's just jump into the questions first and see how we go. No, wait. The body construction of cars. Just start the okay. conversation. Okay, I'll do it quite quickly then. So um, cars actually have three types of body constructions um, that we use uh, um, or that we have. The first one is what we refer to as a ladder frame. Now, a ladder frame is basically how, how you would see a bucky. So a ladder frame literally looks like a ladder. So if you could take the, if you imagine a bucky and you could take the cab off, underneath looks like a ladder. So in other words, you've got the long spars and the short spars. Uh, and that's effectively uh, how cars were built a few years ago as well. If you go to the 80s or earlier, cars were also built with ladder frame construction. Um, it's a very simple way to make a, a vehicle. Um, 
it's easy to fix if the, the car's been in an accident. Also, very, very good for um, uh, off-road vehicles. So it really works quite well if you look at a ladder frame. Um, and also good for carrying a load. So it works really well for buckies, but not a lot of torsional rigidity. In other words, you know, if you take a, a, a towel when it's wet yeah. and you want to dry out the water and you turn your one hand one, hand one way and the other way yeah. the opposite way, that's called torsional rigidity. So that strength isn't too great on a ladder frame vehicle. In other words, the handling then won't be as good as, as the second one, which we'll talk about now, um, but they're good for off-roading. The next one is either a is that the, is that the actual frame of the bucky, the ladder frame? Yeah, so the ladder frame literally is like the the, the frame where the cab gets um, put on top or bolted on top. So um, if you take, um, you can almost effectively it looks like you can take the cab off, and it really looks like a ladder. So two long spars, and and then short ones in the middle, and the wheels in the front, and the wheels at the back. Um, okay. Then we, then we have a mono hull or mono cock, which is a construction method where everything is in in one form it was actually started with ships and planes so in other words the the the, the chassis um, and the frame and everything is in one so it's one strong construction which then immediately means that it has a lot of torsional rigidity so there's a lot of a lot less body flex yeah also then you're going to have less vibrations into the car um, and this also is much uh, safer so in the event of an accident a mono hole or monocoxis um, type of construction is very safe and we tend to have that in all cars now so if you look at any vehicle that you have that would have a mono hole or monocoque construction um but normally the cost is a bit more um associated with you know in other words to produce a mono hole or monocoque car costs a lot more but so, it's, so it's, if we if we looked at the kinds of cars that had it what would the car be that has a mono hole any car if you pick any car you think of the car you're driving if you're driving any type of hatch today yeah. Um, they are all monocoque construction because um, it's safe and because it's quieter, because torsionally, it's very rigid torsionally. So really, buckies are, and, and, and buckies and, and let's say buses and, and those type of things would still be ladder frame. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, most cars nowadays are mono hole. And then the latest one that you're going to see more, they really talk about a skateboard construction, and that's electric cars. So yeah. what you have is, if you think of a skateboard, it's flat and you've got the wheels at the end. Yeah. And ele- electric cars are now on the skateboard construction. In other words, the, the battery uh, and the motor all becomes one. So you've got this flat bit, like a skateboard, which is really the battery. And then the motor can be at the end. In other words, you have the wheels sticking out at the ends. And then you can have just the motor in the front or a motor in the back. Or one in the front and one in the back. Or one in the front and two in the back. But it's a very flexible platform because you can simply make it longer or shorter. Um, so it's quite a, a compact way of, 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 of making something. And there's a lot no, of... No, no, but wait, wait, Nico, now I'm getting completely confused. I mean, I'm not an engineer. So I'm, okay. like, I'm listening to you say you can make it longer or shorter. Are you suggesting that at some point we're going to start getting cars which we can just shift and change the size? And I know like no, someone's no, listening you, going, you geez, Michelle's yeah. a divot, but uh, nevertheless. Uh, yeah, so I'm actually talking about the manufacturers. So if you look at Tesla... Yeah. Um, you, you see different Teslas all with the same thing underneath, effectively. So what, what, what that means for the manufacturer is that you can have one skateboard construction, in other words, um, one, let's, uh, one, one chassis form, let's call it like that. And then all you do is if you want to make the car longer, you can make it longer or you can add more batteries to the skateboard. So it's like making a skateboard that's a bit longer or shorter. So it's very cost effective for the manufacturer because they have one design 
and then they have different bodies. So when you drive it, you look at the bodies and you say, oh, that looks like an SUV and that looks like a sedan. But underneath, they actually have this exactly the same skateboard construction. So that's so it's beneficial for manufacturers yeah. because in, in theory, like Tesla, you can have one system that you can apply for many different cars. Okay. All right. So that was a, a quite technical, I know. Yeah. Um, but effectively, those are the three different types of body construction that we get in cars. Are we, are we going to see that shift and change over time? Well, the thing is, yes, the, the focus for manufacturers, for car manufacturers, are a lot more to skateboard um, construction. But remember, skateboard is only for electric cars because uh, you see it all the time. Every time a manufacturer says something about cars, they're also telling you about the electric cars uh, and more and more where they focus on electric cars. So definitely um, um, car manufacturers are all working on um, or some, of course, more than others, but um, are, are focusing on electric platforms or skateboard uh, uh, platforms for the electric cars. Okay, and can you choose your car accordingly? Not really. So what it means for you effectively is that you can buy a, a smaller version yeah. and you'd have the same technology as a bigger version. So what, what they can do, for instance, in a skateboard construction is you can have a, a let's call it an entry-level car, which would have one electric motor and battery pack. And then if you buy a, uh, the next level, that might have the same skateboard construction, but there's more battery, so that car's longer. The body might have more shape uh, or a, a different shape, or it will have, but you might not have two electric motors, so your performance is better. Or you buy a level up, and that then has three electric motors. But effectively what happens there, it's still the same thing. We've just added two electric motors because it's quite simple, because it's just flat, and there's space in the front or the back that can be utilized for electric motors. So the benefit is not necessarily for the con- uh, cons- consumer as much as for the manufacturer because it's ease of, of, of use. But as a, as a consumer, you might have the benefit that the technology in a smaller – you can have a technology in a smaller car that you can have in a bigger car. Ease of build, perhaps, more than ease of use. Yeah, e- definitely ease of build for the manufacturer more than yeah. ease of use for the, for the, for the person driving the car. It's quarter to nine. We're talking to Nico, our petrol head. And if you've got any questions for him, you're welcome to WhatsApp us on 0614104107. Voice message us or indeed um, give us a call on uh, 7142006. Nico Mitra is 10 years old and wants <laughs> to know, why do you need neutral in a car? It's a good question. Well, that's good. You need neutral in a car so that, for instance, you can um, move the car along yourself so you can push the car. Uh, if it's stationary um, and you want to push it, it's a little bit forward or backwards. You have neutral. Also, let's say you need to tow the car because the car is broken down and you need to be able to tow the car. You need to have the car in neutral. Um, for instance, there's many, and you think suddenly, why would I want to push the car? But there are many instances where you simply want to move the car forward or backwards a little bit um, and it's easier to just simply push the car. Um, that's some of the reasons why you'd have neutral in the car. Well, I suppose if your engine ran out or if you ran out of petrol, you might need to push also, the car. But, but also think of it in another way. If you want to start the car, um, you um, want to start the car and you don't want the car to be in gear. So as you start it, the car starts moving. So neutral is also there so that you can get the car started or running without actually moving the car forwards or backwards. So you can start the car, you can start the engine, um, and you do whatever you want to do, people load people in, load things in the back, or whatever it is, so you can drive off then selecting the gear you want. 
But if you were in a gear as you start, you'd either have to be on a control to keep the car out of gear uh, or then go. So neutral is just there so that you can start it or then, as I said, push it or that you are able to tow it. Nico, this is a question that gets asked often, and it's uh, one that uh, we, we do think about with regards to the cold weather. And that is, should one warm one's engine up uh, before one drives off in this cold weather? Short answer or long answer? Long answer is fine. Okay. So you should not idle the car. Um, the, the reason for it is um, you need to get the car moving as much as you can. When the car is idling, the, rich, the, the fuel-air mixture is richer. So there's more, a little bit more fuel than um, there should be. So that, over time, by adding the car, could actually affect the lubrication of the oil because it, some little, a little bit more fuel would slip past um, um, into the oil. So it actually could um, make, uh, um, make um, corrupt the oil earlier. Also, it's not actually necessary because you, as you drive off the, the cars, the engine will heat up much better as you're driving. So don't idle the car. It doesn't matter. It's minus five outside. Start the car, climbing, drive it, but don't drive it hard. So drive it mildly, in other words, not high revolutions, until the temperature is where it should be, and then you can drive it how you want. So it's a better habit to rather climb in and drive it as opposed to hard that you get it warm. Okay, so drive your car slowly and uh, don't idle it at all. Vince wants to know, what do the letters POA and TBA in car magazines stand for? P-O-A and P. T-B-A. Price on, on, on application. Um, P-B-A. So P-O-A, is, is, in other words, they, they won't give you the price. They say, when you phone us, we'll tell you the price. So P-O-A, price on application. P-B-A. Um, no, not P. T for terrible. Uh, oh, so Tango, Bravo, Alpha, T-B-A. Yes, yes. Um, I think that's, um, in other words, coming in future, QB. um uh, I forget now. To be a, that means it's coming in. It's, it's not now. It will yeah. be announced to be announced later. So it's to be announced. I think so. Okay. So, so in other words, it's not now, but you'll see it in uh, in a month or two months' time. They'll tell you exactly what it is. So price on application and to be announced in car magazines. Vince, that's your answer. Someone wants to know how often should I change the oil in my um, oil? Uh, how often should I change my oil? Well, the oil. Um, uh, start with your owner's manual and have a look in there. And that will normally tell you. So I, I don't want to say 15,000 Ks because that could be a general thing. But some cars, um, some manufacturers' cars actually will say how hard was the car driven and the car will tell you when it's time for an oil change. So generally people say about 15,000. Some cars can actually go to 30,000. It does depend on the type of oil that you're using in the car as well. So if you're not sticking to the recommended oil, that actually means that the oil service or you need to change the oil at a different time. So my advice is start with sticking to the oil that the manufacturer recommends in your car. Even if it costs more, there's a reason for it. Um, then go to what the owner's manual says in when it's time to um, change your oil. But also remember that if you have things like a service or maintenance plan, that says, let's imagine again, and I, because they're not all exactly the same, but let's imagine it says one year, 15,000 Ks. You've got to stick to that either term. So if you only do 7,000 Ks in a year, when it, gets, uh, when it gets to one year, you've got to do that oil change, even yeah. if you haven't gotten to the 15. Because if you don't do that, you might lose your service or maintenance plan. So it's actually not that simple. But if your car is out of a plan, out of a service plan or out of a maintenance plan, 
Then again, just stick to what the owners may not saying. Imagine 15, then do it every 15. The car, so excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> I got a frog in my throat. Oh, is that the excuse me? <laughs> That's the reason why my voice is going. I'm battling and I'm talking more and more, but it's getting worse. So okay. um, a car, um, the more you look after the car, the more to look after you. So the best way to look after it is get the oil changed when it's needed. Because if the oil is not working as well, um, and it's not lubricating things as well, then damage can start happening in the engine. So just regular servicing and oil changes and, and, and basic things that need to be done in the car, it will last you longer. I believe that wholeheartedly. Okay, we've got a question for you. Here goes. Uh, good morning to SFM and to Nico. I'd just like to ask Nico a question. Uh, why on the Renault uh, vehicles, uh, the Nissan NP200s, the bonnet catch is on the passenger side? I personally feel that's a safety issue because if kids are in the front, they can accidentally pull the catch while driving. So I just want an explanation why on the Renault in Nissan NP200, the bonnet catches on the passenger side. I feel it's a safety issue. Could you please shed some light on that, Nicole? Thank you. Hmm. Okay, Could... so this is this is deductive reasoning. Um, um, not necessarily a 100% um, um, answer, but I think it's simply because those cars are normally left-hand drive cars. Um, so they, th those cars are, tend to be, um, not all of them, um, because a Nissan is, is Japanese and a Renault is French. And it could simply be that um, in, in the factory, the cars are made for, let's say, left-hand drive countries. And when the car is converted, then they don't move the bonnet latch. But so many factors all sometimes actually do have it on the passenger side and some have it on the driver's side. So it could be one of the things that it could be. It could be when the car is converted to right-hand drive, the bonnet latch is not moved, so that still stays there. Some cars that are a bit more quirky, so it's always on the left. Um, um, and, it, and it doesn't move. So it depends, I guess, on the manufacturer's decision uh, or construction. Some of the newer cars, you actually have to open the door to get to the bonnet latch. So if the door's closed, you can't get to the bonnet latch. But that's what I think the reason is. I don't have anything else to back it up. I'm just um, you know, trying to make sense why that's, well, that's why I think that's the case. Okay, then there's a question from someone who says... Um, and he sent a whole lot of photos, and I'm hoping that you I can explain it to you. He says, Mr. Nico, why does the Corsa Utility Bucky have a two-liter plastic container that sits on top of the tank and breaks very easily? Don't you think this was a mistake from the manufacturers? And he sent us a photo of the utility, and there are valves on that uh, utility thing. He says these valves break very easily. Why would they make them like that for such a good bucky? I don't know. I have to really see because I'm, uh, you know, trying to do from the explanation is a bit difficult. Yeah. If you can, if Ndosh can send me the picture um, via WhatsApp, then I can, if that's possible. Yeah. But it's difficult for me to see if I, if I don't see the picture, I can't, I can't comment. But, but I'm surprised that a Corsa has like a, a Corsa has like a plastic utility thing on the top in the engine. Surely not. I don't know what it is. So, um, oh. I, Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think what it is. I don't know if there's, um, yeah, I, well, I have to see what, what, what you're talking about to, to, to understand what exactly it is. Okay, we'll, about the picture. We'll, send you those, we'll send you those pictures and you can answer them. If not this week, then we'll definitely answer them next week. So someone okay. wants to know, what is an immobilizer? How does it work? An immobilizer is simply something that, um, 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 in a simple term, uh, you need to start the car, so you, know, you need to turn on the ignition, send in the electric, electronic um, 
signal to the engine um, to, to start. So in other words, then uh, when they immobilize it there, even if you stick something in and you turn it, you're not going to get the car to, to start the engine. So immobilizer simply is a way of, well, as it says, immobilizing the engine so you are not able to start it. You actually physically need that car's key um, to start the car. Because you watch movies, you know those old movies where they break into the car. So they break the window and then the guy fiddles with wires and plugs two little wires together. There's a little bit of a spark and the car starts. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to do that um, in new cars because you can't just take the wires and short them to start the car. So effectively, immobilizes the car, you need a key or some sort of transponder, in other words, a little button that allows you to turn the ignition to start the car. Okay, we've got another question for you. Uh, good morning. Uh, I just want to ask Nico. I drive a Ford uh, Ranger 2.2. It starts leaking oil on the left uh, wheel. I took it to Ford. Uh, they said to me uh, they don't know why because the oil levels are there. The brick fuel oil is there. It's on proper. Uh, now my fear is that should I continue driving because they said they don't know what to tell me. What do you think, Nico? Leaking um, oil on the tire. Yeah, that's weird. There's no, there shouldn't be oil any close to the. I don't know if it's a CV boot um, that's broken and there's actually it's grease, not oil. I don't. You know, it's, it's difficult to say, Michelle. Is the oil is is there constantly oil leaking there? Um, uh, I'm trying to think what it could be, but I'm not. If I'm honest, I can't. Uh, so you shouldn't have oil on a wheel. There shouldn't be oil dripping on a wheel anyway. Um, but they should take the car for a proper inspection. You should take the wheel, the whole wheel off and yeah. have a look inside the wheel arch. Is that covered in oil, that whole wheel arch? Is there a little bit of oil um, that you maybe drive in other oil? In other words, you move the car through a puddle of oil. If there's some oil, if there's oil leaking, there should be oil all over that wheel arch. And also, if it's oil leaking, the car is losing oil. So if you put in your dipstick and the oil level still stays the same, then it's a little bit odd. I'm not sure if it's oil or grease or something else. So you've got to uh, go back and have it looked at, but let them take the wheel off and have a look in the inside of the wheel arch. And maybe somebody work, actually works on cars or ranges and, and uh, that's listening and actually have a better answer than I have because I'm not 100% sure on this one, but it needs a proper inspection, definitely. Okay, let's go to another question. This is Derek from Flunga. Just two points, I think, uh, on the question of why is there neutral um, also, if there wasn't neutral, I think the clutch would wear out pretty quickly because the clutch would have to be engaged all the time while you're in gear. Also, the, um, the TBA in the car magazine, I think, is to be advised. And lastly, um, I think it's important, uh, personally, I think it's important just to idle your engine for about 30 seconds when you first start it, just so that the oil can get uh, from the sump up into the engine and working parts. Uh, your take on that, Nico? No, great. Awesome. I mean, uh, exactly that. So I like the fact that, uh, of course, you need neutral, so the clutch is going to burn out. So nice. Uh, added on to that. Um, what does TBA is? What did you say? To be? Announced. Announced. Okay, great. I didn't know that because I knew always they're saying, okay, that's coming in future, but thank you. To be announced. And um, with idling, in my opinion, um, I, I, my car, I, I mean, I start the engine, um, get it in gear, and start moving off slowly. So I think either way, um, it does say not idling long. So yeah, words, don't go and sit for five minutes, minutes and let your car idle. Exactly. Let the car idle to get warm um, isn't a good idea. Um, but if you want to wait 30 seconds before you drive off, no worries. 
Um, but just standing there idling to hope the car will get warm is not a good, uh, a good idea or not okay. a good habit. Fantastic. So thanks for that. That's a nice note. Thanks for the, for, for the added information. That's awesome. Nico, um, we're going to leave it at that. Um, someone has asked about a noise in their Ford Fiesta with a noisy fan, um, but the Ford agent says they're saying there's no one at the workshop. Well, could, uh, could a noisy fan could a noisy fan be the timing chain? What? No, noise. No, the, the timing chain is somewhere else. A noisy fan and, and a timing belt or timing chain are two separate things. So no, okay. I don't think. But again, I, I don't know what the noise is. So maybe. It's, I, you know, it's difficult to, to guess what the noise is. You've got to have it checked out. So go and have, go somewhere to have a look. Why is it making that noise? Because yeah. what you think is one noise could be a different noise. And uh, if, it, if there's a noise that wasn't there before, rather have it checked out because that noise might actually get worse. Yeah, exactly. It's nine o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.